I'm very excited to be here. This is my excited face. Uh, anyone who knows me knows how important music is to me. From the time I was a small child, music had begun to weave its way into my innermost being. Uh, music can move me in a way that no other medium can. And there's something about it that connects with me on such an emotional level that I just seemingly can't live without it. I have playlists on my phone for everything. I have playlists for when I run. When I'm running and I'm, you know, feeling great, I have a good kind of hip-hop kind of rap, just awesome. When I'm running to clear my head and of angst and just some, I have a one with a lot of loud drums and screaming guitars and guys screaming in my head. And when I'm struggling to get in those last few kilometers or whatever, I have an 80s playlist that is like my own epic movie montage Sun in the distance, setting, go rocky. <laughs> I have playlists for driving. I have a playlist for when I'm in my shop. I have playlists around the house. On my phone, you find everything from jazz to metal, from folk to rap to classical to rock. Music has a profound influence over us. I think we can all agree on that. Listening to music creates or releases endorphins in the brain. Endorphins give us a heightened feeling of excitement in addition to feeling euphoric, uh, endorphins quell anxiety, they ease pain and stabilize the immune system. And with high endorphin levels, we have fewer negative effects of stress. Go music. <laughs> Ambient noise can improve creativity. Music training can significantly improve our motor and reasoning skills. Classical music can improve visual attention. Music helps us to exercise. And so because of all this, and when we realize the profound effect that music has over us and on us, it begs the question, are we being careful of what we listen to and what the lyrics are that we're putting into our minds? It's a question that is worth asking and considering. This headset mic is the worst. <laughs> we should get one that's got like the strap in the back and we can like hold it. No, <laughs> this has been an ongoing fight. Sorry, discussion. <laughs> uh, when we see the impact that music has on us from a secular viewpoint, how much more does it have when it's intertwined with worship and with scripture and the truths and has over the situations in our own spiritual well-being? And so I want to look at two examples of scripture this morning, Old Testament and New Testament, of when those involved in worship chose amidst trials and difficult circumstances uh, to worship and when facing an unknown enemy. The first that we're going to be looking at uh, will be Paul and Silas. So here we have two men who, were clearly, who clearly had a call of God on their lives, and they would go out and they would preach the gospel to anyone who would listen. Now clearly, since God had chosen them, God had called them, and they were doing his work, it was incredibly easy for them, and they faced no problems. So we can learn that from this, if you choose to follow God's path for everything uh, life is going to be perfect, you'll have no problems, and so worship will be easy because everything is awesome, everything is cool when you're part of a team, everything is awesome when you're living out a dream. Thank you, Lego. Goodbye. I'm just kidding. So how great it would be if that is what Scripture promised us, amen? 
But scripture says very, very different. So to find out what really happened with Paul and Silas, we are going to go to Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 34. We're going to have just the reference on the screen because it was a lot of typing that I didn't want to do. <laughs> so you can find it in version uh, on your phone, events, more, version, and you can find it there. Um, I'm reading from the NLT this morning, not the NIV, because that's the one that I have. So here we go. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. And this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. I just... I didn't want to go back and not today, but on my own because I don't understand why he would do that, being so annoyed with a free promotion, but he did. So anyway, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities of the market. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They showed it to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. And a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten them with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Now around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prison prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped, and so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in the household. Even at that hour and the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he, <clears throat> he and everyone in the household were immediately baptized. He brought them into the house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. So while preaching and teaching the gospel, delivering a girl from a demon, life filled with hope and despair, the reaction to the people around Paul and Silas was to strip them bare, beat them with rods, throw them into prison, and put them in the stocks. Now, I don't know about you, but if I received a whooping like that from a bunch of people that I didn't know, for helping a girl that was clearly being taken advantage of, um, the last thing I'd be considering doing would be singing a hymn. So that's why this story is Paul and Silas and not Rob and Silas. <laughs> but here we have these pillars of faith in what seems to be a place of no hope. They're chained up, they're beaten, they're abandoned by those trying to reach, and the response is they begin to sing out to God, to sing, sing hymns of praise, and to declare his goodness no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation. There would be no sleep for them. That night, amid the pain <clears throat> they were in and the uncomfortable conditions. But in the midst of their suffering, they displayed their trust in God. 
and their joy by praying and singing praise to him. Here we have a concrete depiction of Christ, of the Christian ideal of joy amid the suffering. William Barclay says the one thing you can never take away from a Christian is God in the presence of Jesus Christ. And with God there is freedom even in a prison and even at midnight there is light. So it's so easy for us to read these verses and to skip to the part of the earthquake and then becoming free. But for Paul and Silas, they didn't have verse 26 yet. They were still feeling the effects of verse 23. They were still living in the conditions of verse 24. For all they knew, this was it. This was the end for them. And yet the response was to worship. So where are you right now? Maybe you've done everything you feel like you should. You've served God, you're in his will, you're doing his work, you're obeying his call, and yet, just, and yet you just seem to be getting beaten by rods, thrown into a dungeon, and bound and shackled by the enemy. So what will you choose to do? It would have been so easy for Paul and Silas to have given up. I know that because that's what I would want to do, and I'm sure... Most of us here this morning would want to do. But do we have the faith and the strength to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds because we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance? Will we trust Jesus' words and have peace even though in this world we will have trouble because he has overcome the world? So I want to tell you, church, that no matter what it is you're going through, no matter what the situation is you're in, you don't know what your verse 26 will be. Though it may seem like you're carrying this alone, God is for you. He's working on your behalf. He will give you what you need to push through. So be of good cheer. Worship him, sing praises to God, not because of what he's done and what he might do, but we worship him because he is God. One response to my request for these songs said, how long of a list do you want? <laughs> when overcome by emotion and there is nothing I can do to change a situation, songs about Jesus always bring peace to my soul. Some of these are really old, so they've worked for me for decades. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. These might be brand new. These might be brand new songs for some of you. There's just something about that name. He's as close as the mention of his name. It's so hard to not just sing them right now. Whisper Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. And these lines, I breathe you in, God. You are thick all around me. When I don't understand, I will trust you. Goodness of God, great is thy faithfulness. So many more. But I'll stop there. Another response said, I could honestly write a novel to, the, to that question. <laughs> she says, but I won't because I love you. <laughs> my go-to song is something about that name. I grew up listening to this song, and it has become my anthem, my battle cry. It takes me to a place where I can reflect on who Jesus is. 
I'm reminded that he is so much bigger than me. My circumstances, my needs, and my wants, and all of these things will pass away. But the goodness of God is steadfast and will remain. I'm reassured that the name of Jesus is more powerful and loving and true than any other. And as long as I re it, that remains my foundation, anything built on it will also remain for generations. So there's power in the name of Jesus. And then she says, oh, look, that's another song. <laughs> we only have time for so many. And one more response in this, in this next few that we're going to sing together that was totally on the same page says this. Similar to, to taking time to worship regardless of the negative situation, the song we are, we are standing on holy ground always comes to mind. We do not want to be distracted by the not-so-great goings-on, but to be still and to rest in his assurance that he's with us and we're standing on holy ground. Let's stand. I know some of these songs might be new if you didn't grow up going to church, but just I, I invite you to learn these old songs as new ones for you. So we're going to go to 2 Chronicles in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 to 3. 1 to 30, not 1 to 3. That would be a really short story. <clears throat> so after this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are, all, they are already at Hazan Tamar. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah in Jerusalem in, fr <clears throat> in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord. And he prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone, the God who is in heaven, you are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and you are mighty. No one can stand against you. O oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in the land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land over to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we come to stand in the presence before the temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. And now we see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left. So they went around them and, they, and did not destroy them. And now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land which you have give us, given us as an inheritance. Oh God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against the mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking for your help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, on the men standing there. His name was Jezeel. Son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jeel, son of Madaniah, a Levite who is descended of Asaph. And he said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. 
Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this, Hermie. For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. So tomorrow march out against them, and you will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz, and at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeroel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Koath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. And early the next morning, the army of Judah went out to the wilderness, the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. After consulting with the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord, for his faithfulness endures forever. And at that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord God caused the armies of Ammon, Moan, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir, and they killed every one of them. And they destroyed the army of Seir, and they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast valuables of equipment and clothing and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them almost three days to collect it all. And on the fourth day, they gathered together in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the, Lord the, Lord, the people praised and thanked the Lord there. And it is still called the Valley of Blessing. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps and lyres and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. And so Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. So the very first response when Jehoshaphat found out about the armies coming at him, the very first thing was a call to prayer for himself and the people of Judah. This wasn't Jehoshaphat with a couple of friends. It was the entire tribe coming together in prayer and fasting. And we can't under, underplay the importance of this. Can you imagine what could happen if you had a problem that seemed so insurmountable? And you called together your tribe, your church, the entire church for prayer, fasting, and worship. Our praise and our worship, they're also an invitation to allow God to go out before us in battle. 
Because we are in a constant battle, not in the physical, but against, as Ephesians 6.12 says, the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So let's look at how Jehoshaphat opened their prayer gathering. He said, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in the land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? So what was Jehoshaphat doing here? He's worshiping. Jehoshaphat and his people were in distress and fear, and yet they worshiped. And by verse 15, we see one of the Levites of the house of Asaph prophesying the Lord's protection and direction to the congregation. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this army, for the battle is not yours. It's God's. You see, worship paved the way for them to understand what God was going to do for them on their behalf. And it's also interesting to note that the prophecy came forth from worship. And what did the people do upon hearing the prophetic word? Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Koath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Their immediate response to this news was to worship. And then King Jehoshaphat's next move is incredibly inspiring and surprising. He sent out an army to meet the enemies with worshipers and singers whose only job was to sing and praise the Lord at the front. And as they worship, God caused such a confusion among the enemy that they killed each other. So at that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. And the Lord God, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. And the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir, and they killed every one of them. And they destroyed the army of Seir, and they began attacking each other. You see, there's a dynamic of worship that we do not fully understand in the natural there's something that happens in the spiritual. And the story of Jehoshaphat is that worship is a weapon against whatever we are facing. It recognizes God's power. It recognizes his authority. And it helps change our perspective when we are facing these battles. Worship is a continuous sound of heaven's throne room. And when we unite with that worship, we create a holy connection between heaven and earth. God delights in our demonstration of love for him. And as we worship and as we sing and draw near to him, he draws near to us. And in those circumstances, the enemy can't help but panic and flee. When we are gathered together to begin to sing, no matter what our circumstances, we are declaring that God and God alone deserves our worship. In the midst of our circumstances, whether good or bad, we are declaring the truths of Scripture through songs over our lives. So it is so much more than just singing, but it is letting our fear know that we're no longer slaves to it. When the reminders of our past come into our thinking, when we are carrying the weight of our burdens, when our worries are taking over, thinking we can sing, 
Here I lay my burdens down. I lose my worries in your love. Casting every care on you, I've carried them enough. They're not just words. We can sing these. We can actually do this and it can be freeing for us. Just as the physical shackles came off of Paul and Silas, so can that which so desperately wants to hold us back. It will begin to drop off. And just like King Jehoshaphat and the other people of Judah, when we gather together in prayer and worship, it puts the enemy into confusion. Instead of what would seem to be an appropriate response of worry and panic and stress and fear, we cast our cares on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We unite our voices and our spirits with a heavenly host, and we're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And in doing this, the storm surrounding us will break at his name. The rage in us will be still. He makes the darkness tremble. He silences fear. When we sing his name, it's a light that the shadows can't deny. And his name can't be overcome. When we begin to let go of ourselves and worship and surrender, we open ourselves to a move of God in our lives and in our church, in our community, in our city, in our nation in a world that cannot be stopped. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. We just need to be willing to allow that power and that work to come alive. So no matter the situation you find yourself in, no matter what your circumstances, our first response needs to be prayer, praise, and worship. When we begin with that, we can be certain of who goes before us and who stands behind us, for the God of angel armies is always on our side. Nothing formed against us will stand, for he holds the whole world in his hands, so we can hold on to his promises, for he is faithful. So let us remind ourselves that he never lets go through the calm, through the storm. Never once did we ever walk alone, never once did he leave us on our own. His promise still stands. Great is his faithfulness. We're still in his hands. This is our confidence that he has never failed us. And so we sing as his breath fills our lungs and as we pour out our praise. Great are you, Lord. I learned a new song for this next one, but it's from, I think it's familiar to a lot of you. Yeah, because I just, when, it, when this story came in, I thought, and I knew what Rob was going to be saying about Jehoshaphat, I just thought this is just the perfect thing. And um, this story came in, it said this, I remember a scenario where there was a spiritual battle for my mind. I had to face a situation that scared me so much and I felt I was not qualified for. There was no getting out of it, no matter how much I cried and begged God. So in desperation, I went to him in worship. The words of this song were so powerful. Specifically, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Those words rang so true, what I felt like was happening in my thoughts. They put my thoughts into perspective and brought the truth to light. Nothing in my life leading up to that point indicated that I wasn't qualified, rather the opposite. It helped me to realize that there was an attack on my thoughts from the enemy, and that's why I felt surrounded. And most importantly, I remember that it's the Holy Spirit who makes us all qualified for the things that we're called to do. Worshiping through these words did not make my fear uh, entirely disappear, 
but it reminded me that I was not alone and God was not walking uh, me down a road just to abandon me. So we're going to sing it. You probably know that song, Surrounded. I did have to learn bits and pieces of it for this morning, but I really loved where it goes. And I want you to listen. We're going to start with one of the songs uh, from before that, that simply says, I, I may not understand God, but I choose you. And then I want you to I invite you to sing along with uh, this song, Surrounded, really listening to those verses and understanding um, this is how we fight our battles. Let's stand together. 